Hi and welcome. I'm Callum Richardson from Forked Up. Um, this is my first podcast um, and I wanted to record it and let you have a bit of understanding about me and my journey and how I've come to creating Forked Up 90 Days one-to-one with me. Um, life's a roller coaster. I think um, some of the things you've got to learn in life is you've got to fail to learn. But you've also got to learn to fail. And that's one thing I've managed to do plenty of over the years. So basically, school for me was a problem. Dyslexic. Can't, couldn't stand school. Um, worst part was I was born in January. So I had to stay at school until I was 16. Which meant I had to stay until I was January 5th year. Which was like six months longer than everyone else. And I just really didn't want to be there. But the funny thing was that year is I chose subjects that I enjoyed rather than choosing subjects I felt I had to be in, like chemistry, physics, you know, all tough subjects. Um, So in fifth year, I chose home economics because I love cooking. I'd done technical drawing, woodwork, all the hands-on things that all of a sudden I could learn a different way. Actually, it was ended up being ended up being the best year of school I had, I think. Um, but I had one goal, and that was to join the navy. I wanted to join the navy as a chef or a photographer. I went to the careers office, and they said to me, "You can't join as photographer. You've got to go in as specialised in your branch, and then change over later." They made me sit some exams, and they told me I was best fitted to be an engineer. But for me, I just wanted to join the Navy. I wanted to get away, travel the world. That was kind of key goal. So engineer it was going to be. It wasn't until later on I actually worked in that careers office for a while and I soon realised it didn't matter what you wanted to go in as. They ended up just putting you in wherever they had spaces. So it didn't matter what I wanted to go in as at all, really, unless I was adamant and decided I would wait until I could get my chance to go in as a chef. So I joined the Navy, I passed all my exams before I was 16 with consent from my parents. Dad was chuffed. <laughs> my mum didn't want me to leave, um, as mothers do. Dad was rubbing his hands thinking, let's get rid of him. Um, so I joined the Navy, I got a phone call on my birthday, 16th birthday, telling me that they had a date for me in three weeks' time. And that was it. I ran to school. Signed my leaver form, went down to tell my mum, who started howling. And that was the start of my journey. You know, being dyslexic, the Navy said that they weren't going to, there was no handouts, no help. You had to just deal with, deal with things yourself. Which is quite difficult, but actually, kind of needed to happen. It was the start of my journey. You know, I was going away into an arena with people that this was a second shot in career. They'd already had a career in Civvy Street. Um, and I was going in as 16, you know. I hadn't started shaving, but, you know, once you join the Navy, you get made to shave, regardless if you need to shave or not. So it was quite good skills because I was in amongst older people and learning from their mistakes. Um, maybe didn't learn enough from them. Uh, but... It was a great journey. I just, 
I loved every minute of it. You know, joined my first ship and sailed for the the Gulf in 1990, and that was my first huge trip. I'd done a couple of small trips before that, and you know that was six, seven months, and going to countries that. I never thought I'd ever go. <laughs> I can tell you, some of them I wouldn't ever go back to, like Djibouti in Ethiopia. You know, that's a, that was a real hole. But it's the way people live, and you've got to respect that. It wasn't a great deal of respect when you were in the Navy, you know. Your perception of life was a little bit different to the perception now. You know, I go to these countries wanting to taste all their, all their special foods and drinks. When I was in the Navy I was just looking for nightclubs and, and drinking holes really. But the Navy was great. It gave me the fundamental basis of learning to work on my own, learning to work as a team, learning who got the most respect to work for, you know, like bosses that were fair over just that hardcore regimental bosses. You needed both but People got gained different respect for different things. You know, you didn't want to be just repetitively doing something for the sake of you had to be doing something. So, you soon realised what you liked in life. And one of the hardest things for me, which has transpired into what I do now, is... Back in them days, I was on a junior's wage, so I was on pennies, but I was living with all the adults who were on twice, three times more money than me, which made it really difficult, which I transferred into now, so like being the real living wage is one of the reasons why I've got that in my business, because I feel like everyone should be treated fair, um, just because you're 18 doesn't mean to say you don't want a house, you don't want a car, you know. All these things, it's only fair really. You treat everyone with the integrity and the respect that they're all due. But the Navy is a place where you stay and do your 22 years or you come out when you're going to have a family. And that was my progressive step. I was starting off in Civvy Street. So I decided to leave after nine years. Quite a tough thing because it's like, I wanted to leave, but I didn't want to leave. If I hadn't left then, I think I'd have still been in right up until I'd done my 22 years. Because I was still enjoying the life of it. But the one thing a Navy doesn't do, and it's really emphasised over the past few years as I've been looking at my life and looking at other people's lives, is they they don't teach you life skills. They don't teach you skills on how to adapt when you come into civvy street. They don't teach you relationships. They don't teach you how to pay a mortgage. They don't you know you, your food and your food and accommodation comes out your wages in the navy. And you know you come home and you spend two weeks at home. And two weeks is the longest you'd spend at home, really. So relationships is probably my biggest pitfall in life. Um, you know, I hand on heart admit that. I've been rubbish at it. Um, living life like a pirate. 
Um, that's kind of a bit of a repetitive theme that I find when you look at other people that have been in across all the forces. If they if they've been if they stayed in twenty two years, they're generally quite solid with that partnership. But when you come out, you've got no skills. You are regimented to right down to the bone. You know, like I I I got into a family business and I was really regimental. You know, if you turned up late, there was hell. If you turned up and you hadn't shaved, there was hell. Look at me now. You know, it. Trying to realise that you've got to reduce that part of your life. And even if you have to, you'd still be regimental, but you've got to soften it. Especially in this day and age, especially in this day and age with all the fairies and buttercups out there, we would be in real trouble. So for me that has been my biggest pitfall, is that stepping out of the Navy and learning Learning to be myself. And I actually don't think... I don't think I've actually found myself until probably this past couple of years. Um, I think I've become me. And not being this... What I think everyone wants me to be. And I think that's a lot of what it is. You know, you you live life like a pirate. You procrastinate. And you kind of self-destruct in some ways, you know? It's like... Everyone expects me to be the last one to bed, always at the bar, causing mayhem. And that's kind of what what you end up doing. But you can still have fun, but you've got to just tame it down a bit. And I've kind of found that the hard way in life. Um, you've got to find focus and obsession. You've got to be obsessed about things. And I am... Um, very obsessive person I get something in my head it will happen it will work I don't like failing but I know you have to fail to move forward like I said earlier on you've got to learn to fail and fail to learn the obsession you know like I've been obsessed with many things in life and in business especially that's why my business life has really flourished and my personal life has been the total opposite it's self-destructing, but the business is, is flying. And there's got to be balance in that, you know. That, no one's going to survive that. You know, no matter how good you are or how good the people are around you, there comes a point where that is not compatible, you know. It's not going to happen. So for me, my obsession with, like, winning awards... But certain awards, not just anything. I don't, I don't like some of these awards that are out there. They're absolute, absolute rubbish. You know, I keep getting told I've won things and I never I never advertise it because I'm like, how have I won that? I haven't done anything to achieve that. That's a self-made award. And a lot of them, you've got to pay for certificates and it's just like, really? And you see folk posting them and that's, the, that's their goals online. And you think, you're kidding yourself. You've got to get honest with yourself and go out there and do something that people will respect. So for me, like winning fish and chip shop of the year was one big focus, and young fry of the year actually it was a big thing. Um, but it got to come across natural. It's not like a obsessed, but you're going to knock everything out of the way. It's got to, you've got to want it from within the heart. You know, it's not. 
it's all passion. It's, it can't just be about the money. I think a lot of people make that mistake. It's Their goal is to get there because they want to earn that money or they need that money and they drive past everyone, knocking them into the ditches all the way along just to get to the end goal. I think you get further if you switch off to that part and you focus on helping people. So take folk along in the journey with you. And if you're good enough, you'll shine above them anyway. And I think that's kind of where a lot of my journey has been. My obsessions, winning fish and chip shop of the year. I, b I believe in if you, if you believe something enough and you tell yourself something enough and you envisage it, that will happen. You can change your thoughts and your ways. I've believed this for years, but it's not probably until this past year and learning from my mentor, Paul Mort, and he tells me all about this. Um, and I've looked into it, and the more I've looked into it, the more I believe that that's the path of these things happen because you put the positive thought into your mind, you've envisaged it, your brain, your brain tells you what's happened from before, it doesn't know what's happening in front. It, it 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 recollects things that have happened yesterday, five minutes ago, a week ago, and it'll pick holes in it. Anything that's in the future hasn't happened yet. So if you tell yourself enough about that future th thoughts and happiness moments or whatever you want it to be, you can bring that forward and try and make that a reality. But you've got to believe in it. You've got to believe in something enough and tell yourself it enough. I envisaged myself standing on that stage um, winning Fish and Chip Shop of the Year way before it happened. I knew it would happen, but I wasn't willing to take everyone out of the game to make it happen. It was just going to happen when it was the right time for it to happen. Things happen for a reason. So you've got to give yourself clear goals. So coming into Fish and Chips, I left a family business and I set up on in my own business and I had a partner and that was a tough time it was good at moments but it was tough because the, my business partner was at the end of his business career and I was at the start of mine both had different goals um, both wanted out of it different things and it had run its cause so when I decided to call it a deal and that wasn't a good time I think it took about two years to finally get that sorted but it was a messy two years and at the time I would say that was one of my hardest times in my business career and personal but when I look back now it was the biggest lessons and actually probably some of the best things that happened to me was that because Again, I failed, but I learnt from the failings. I learnt from what the pitfalls are and the, the benefits are of having a business partner. At the time, it worked for me. And my mum and dad had said to me, we wish to give us more money so that I could have set up another business partner. But when I look back now, I wouldn't be where I was now if that had happened. I wouldn't have learnt the the good things and the bad things from that, that six year journey 
they would have been never happened. So I, I actually wouldn't be sitting here now because I wouldn't have learned all them mistakes or all them Brucey bonuses to get to here. So that had to happen. So actually, you learn to be grateful for it rather than resentful for it. It's it's helped build me and my business to where it is now. So coming away from there was tough. But it was a making of me, really. And again, what it done was I knew how to elevate something that I was going to build from scratch. I didn't have anyone there to have to negotiate with to make the business the way I wanted it to be. So I had a free reign. And there's been loads of pitfalls and loads of mistakes in there, but when you make a pitfall and a mistake and you're on your own, you don't have to explain that to anyone apart from yourself. You've got to learn that yourself. It's quite hard because there's no one to help you, but you don't have the pitfall of trying to hide things. It's just, let's move on, let's deal with it. But I knew by going into this shop the bay and focusing on awards would elevate me, give me belief, bring back my belief in myself, but it'd also elevate the business. I could see the benefits it would create, and again, but not chasing the buck, I didn't want to win it for to make it a successful business. I wanted to win it because I was obsessed with wanting to win it, I was winning it winning it for a personal thing, I wanted it to be, I've done that, it wasn't a case of, because a lot of people, they go on and open loads of shops, five, six, seven shops, after winning, and it's not been something, I did think about it years ago, and a lot of my friends in the business that are seriously successful, they've been there and done it, and they would probably say don't do it, because it, it doesn't become fruitful, unless you've got loads of small businesses that are doing okay, then that might work. But I'd created an absolute monster and I'm not going to replicate that monster. So I decided to utilise it in a different way. So I had my own batter mix, the bay batter that I'd created. I didn't sustainability is a big part for me and I like to know the provenance of everything know what's going into everything so that when a customer asks me about a product I know the whole journey and all the ingredients that they've gone into it so that it's transparent gone to the days of if someone comes in and asks you about something and you can turn around and you would just say well I'm not telling you where it's from it's opposite now you know I, I believe if, if you're not being told everything then why would you want to spend money with people that are not transparent so, we, I decided that sustainability would be a, a great part and a great niche for me. I'm on the waterfront, right on the beach. So you do realise that, well, sometimes the water's in the shop. So it's, not, it's not always at the front door, sometimes it's in the door. Um, but you, you start respecting, you know, the fish that's coming from the sea. You know, if that's not taken out of the sea properly and sustainably then the business has got a short-term life you know we've got to all work together and that that's where social media came in because I all of a sudden I started working with the fishermen while they were at sea they were tweeting and 
putting on Facebook that they were calling in some fish for me in the day and I was posting them back on social media. I was letting the customer see the full journey. Not everyone's interested, but there's a lot of people that are interested. But all the way along in my career, I've noticed that most things I touch do flourish. Might not rock it off, but they all flourish in their own way and they all support each other. So when I created the Bay Batter, I ended up being asked to supply ESS, which is part of Compass Group. So they supply, at that point, that was the oil rigs and the shore bases like Total and places. So I went in and it wasn't just a case of giving them bags of flour. I wanted them to understand how to use it. So it was, they were getting more than just the flour, the batter mix from me. They were getting me. They were getting me personally to help them, train them and support them. And that's, that's the worth. That's not chasing the pound again. You know, the pounds will follow if you put the effort in in different ways. So all of a sudden, I started pitching for tender for fish cakes as well. So I created the Bay Fish Cake. And I pitched for tender with Compass to get it across um, their whole network. So that's like armed forces bases, police, hospitals, schools, football stadiums. So the batter and the fish cakes eventually started to grow into there. So that became for me my second, third, fourth, fifth shop. But I always knew that the, the main part is the bay itself. That is my hub. That has to stay the solid, integral part of my business. Without that, it's nothing. And luckily, I kept that thought because come COVID, you know, all them stadiums and schools and places were all shut. So that, that put a halt to all the sales of all them things. So for me, the growth had to be controlled from the hub. So... I decided also that I would I would get to be on the road. And I think that was about seven or eight years ago now. And it was great. I wanted to do weddings. It wasn't so much for going around streets and cooking. That to me again is like a second shop. Although there's feasibility in there for it. And I might branch out and venture into that. But at the time, I thought this, I can pick and choose what events we want to do, what weddings we want to do, what parties we want to do, what we can fit in. So it didn't encroach in um, too much time of the bay or too much family time, because at the start, the Bay on the Road was taking up too much family time, you know, it was all weekends and evenings. So for me, the branching out of products that we have, so we've got the batter, we've got the fish cakes, we've got the curry sauce, all things that are sold throughout, and the Bay on the Road. And it, it's quite a, a funny thing because being on the road over COVID, my wife said to me, you really need to make that thing work because it's sitting doing nothing. So we, you should either sell it or make it work. And I had a think and I thought, it's me that's holding it back because I'm, I'm not accepting a lot of the quotes coming in because I've got other things on, other commitments. So I decided that I was maybe going to sell it. 
and I was going away down to have a meeting with my my coach Paul Mort, and I decided I think I'm going to sell my van. And probably within three days, I decided I'm not selling my van. I'm keeping my van. And then I went away a week later, and I thought I'll refit my van, which transpired I ended up buying a new van. <laughs> so it's it's like. I probably knew that was a journey that was going to happen, but I had to get to that point myself. You know, you, as much as you, you come with a problem and it's not always the problem, the problem's somewhere else. So, like, I didn't really want to sell the van. So, as it happens now, I have my brand new van and I set myself targets and goals with it. So when I'm saying there's goals, I've set myself, I'm going to have that van out X amount of times each quarter. And I'm hitting that. Because when you set yourself a goal and you put a number next to it, you, if you're honest, you'll you, and you've got some passion and obsession, you'll go and you'll make sure you hit that number. So for me, I'm hitting them numbers every time. And I'm not making them easy numbers, you know, I'm making things unrealistic. Because if you make it unrealistic, even if you don't make it, you're still further than you would be if you had no number or no target and you just went, okay, you know. It's like your diary. Loads of folks say, oh, I'm too busy. You know, I'm too busy to do forked up or I'm too busy to do all these things. And you say, show me your diary. Your diary's blank. Your, like my diary used to be blank. I used to just run day by day. You know, it was it was good days. We had fun. But it was like, no planning. Folk would say to me, what do you, where do you want to be in a year? What do you want to be in... I, do, I couldn't tell you what I was doing next week. Let alone what I was doing next year. So you've got to... Get structure, clear goals, clear structure. And that started coming apparent for me. I started changing about five years ago now. I, again, was going through another pitfall in personal life. I was living at my mum and dad's, which at 45 or 44 or whatever it was, is it's not really a... It's not, a, it's not a fundalistic place. Apart from it's like party mania downstairs every night. If you really want to get into the the way of it, it might not be my kind of music, like, but there'd have been a plenty of drums. But living there was probably again another dip in life, but I learned so much from my mum and dad. You know, I mean, they've been married now for fifty odd years. And they're solid as a rock. You know, they, they walk at my front door holding hands. You know, and it's like, it's weird. You know, when you, when you look at the catastrophe I've had in my life, you know, but and you see how solid they are, and it's like, there's lots to learn from that. And living there kind of did highlight that to me a lot. You know, they sit down and they have meals every night. They still sit at the proper dinner table food in the middle of the table like you would on a Sunday they do that every day and they sit there and that's just their that's their part in their life and I quite liked it it was it was like it was like going backwards probably like 30 years for me going back to childhood and it was nice um, but I realised that being a pirate over all these years was taking its toll I put a load of chunk on, so I was coming out a little fatty tatty. I was drinking way too much, um, especially when I was in a in a bad place. 
you know, I drink a bottle of wine and then I would probably quite happily open a second bottle of wine. And it's not like I was needing to be on it. It's just, it was just a routine. It was a, a mechanism to switch off. But it doesn't really help you switch off. And I decided then I was going to look, get get some fitness. It meant I wasn't sitting downstairs with mum and dad every night either. So it was it gave me some focus. And I went into the fitness for myself, lose some weight and just feel good about myself because I wasn't feeling good about myself. And my PT then, it, it had mindset stuff in it. And it really started a journey for me five years ago, maybe six, actually six years ago. And it was a big, big transformation for me. You know, all of a sudden I was looking after me instead of looking after everyone else, because that's generally what I was doing. Okay, I was obsessed and I was trying to win awards, but I would always look out for other people before I was looking out for myself. I was self-destructing whilst helping everyone else. So Dan the man helped me get on track. And I was off and on working with Dan for four years. And it transformed me. And that's where I got to know Paul Moore. So Paul Moore had done a guest training with, with Dan. And then he started following me. So I was watching him and I really liked it. But then a year ago, just over a year ago, I was in a bit of a hole. Personal life. Business was doing good. But personal life, I was in a hole. Some things had happened to me and I found it quite difficult. I was feeling down in the dumps. My sister was living with me because she's got MS. And that was, I enjoyed her living with me, but I was watching her deteriorating in front of my eyes. And that hurts big time. So I was struggling to, struggling to deal with that. Um, and I still struggle now. You know, thinking about it, it, it upsets me dearly. Um, as much as I wind her up. She's still my sister. Um, so she was living with me for nine months and watching her deteriorating and I lost my manager at the shop, which business-wise wasn't a problem, but personally, I found that really hard to, to accept. You know, for someone that I'd treated like a son, a brother, you know, and it, it affected me mentally. It really did affect me. I... I didn't understand how someone could be so disappointed in me as if I'd done something bad. And I reached out to Paul Mort. I woke up in the morning and I thought, right, I'm going to reach out to Paul Mort today. Get some help. See if he can help me. I had long COVID as well. I'd, I'd had COVID bad. Um, ambulances and everything, you know, I really struggled. So I was trying to, I was trying to, trying to get out of this hole I was in. And, you know, I had, I have a wonderful wife, Victoria, you know, and I was conscious of how crap I am in relationships. And I knew that I had to get myself out of this hole before it would end up costing me a relationship. And I didn't want that. So that morning I decided when I get up, when I get up and I go downstairs, I'm going to message Paul Mort. And like I said earlier on, things happen for a reason. 
if you think something enough. I went downstairs and right within that five minutes, Paul Martyr just liked a post of mine on social media. And I thought, right, I'm messaging him right now because that's a sign. And I believe in signs. Things happen for a reason. So I messaged him there and then. He gave me his details. I signed up. And, you know, that gave me focus and obsession. But in the right channels towards myself. So I've been working with him for over a year now. And I'm in his Elite X, which has got 20, 20 businesses in it. All people high end of their game. All moving forward. And we all have the support of each other. But what was focused on when I'm doing my training with them is how much I like helping people and how much I do for my industry or the food and drink industry and how much more I've got to give them. And I've been doing consultancy for years all over the world, helping people open businesses, America, Japan, um, UK. And some of these people, you know, I helped Roy Brett, uh, Ondine opened a fish market at New Haven. Now this guy's uh, one of the best fish chefs in, in the country. And I've been friends with him for years, but when he was opening his fish and chip shop, he asked me if I would come along at the start and help them work out how to design it, what to put in, where to put things, and then do a bit of training and help them get open. And, you know, that's the kind of things I've been doing, but when you get someone of the calibre of Roy asking you to help, it it really makes you think, I actually do underestimate the power of what I've got and what I can do. So while having meetings with my coaches, it was it was brought up how much of a connector of people I am. And that is absolutely true when I think about the amount of times that people contact me to connect them with people or I help people again because I know someone that can help them happens all the time. That's how I got friendly with Tom Kitchen. He'd put out on social media, I think it was Twitter, this is probably 2012 I think, he put out on Twitter, he was looking for monkfish livers. So someone put him in contact with me because he knew I was speaking to the fishermen, which I was saying earlier on, uh, online. So I contacted the fishermen and asked if there was monkfish livers to be had, but they had to be fresh. They were getting landed the next day. My fish merchant drove them all the way down to Tom. And Tom invited me down for a meal to say thank you. And all of a sudden that friendship grew. And it started, you know, things come from nothing. And it was, that's a very big moment for me as well. Because that was a week before I went to do fish and chip shop at the year finals. And I sat down at the table and there was a, a note from Tom saying, I'll catch you in a bit, I'll be along shortly. And in his restaurant, the kitchen, you get a map rolled up and it shows you the provenance of all the ingredients. And it was a bingo moment for me because I had chip shop of the year final the following week and I wanted something to give all the judges to show them the provenance of all the ingredients that I do. I wanted to be known for what I do, not just standing there saying I'm the best, I'm the best. I want to say, this is what I do. And it's things I do, not what I'm going to do. And I said to Tom, I want to steal this map idea and make it my own. And he said to me, it's not stealing. That's how everyone moves forward. I take recipes from other people and adapt them and adopt them. 
And that was a huge moment for me because I realised the power of not having tunnel vision in my own industry, so not just in fish and chips. If I opened up, and it didn't even have to be food and drink, you know, sustainability groups, things like that, I was going away to meetings and meeting all these different people, connecting with people that I would never have been connected with before, which gave me huge power, which gave me huge belief. And I grew, I grew massively from it. So I soon realised that the, the benefit in this networking out with. So when my coaches turned around and said to me about, you should start coaching and mentoring rather than just doing your consultancy. So consultancy is great, but the problem is the negative of consultancy is time consuming, but it's not controlled time. So if someone says they want to open a business and they're going to open it on that date, I know from having business, that's never going to happen. Them dates change, which then is quite difficult when you've got a family life and you've got a business life. You've, you know, something has to give. So it's good if it goes well, but otherwise the parameters change all the time. And when the parameters change, it makes it really difficult because either I'm not performing for them and giving them what they want or what I promise to give them. And I'm not, I'm not here to fail on anyone. I'm here to help people. I'm here to help folk grow and find their full potential. So the consultancy, I've kind of stepped away from in the way of just going and doing days here and days there for people because you can't really put a lot into someone in a day and you find that when people take you in, they've got an idea of what they want. They want to know what you would do, but they, they don't really do it. They still do their own thing, which is kind of right but they've got to make it their own. So that's when I decided I was going to start my own coaching, 90 day programme. Because I believe that the 90 days is what you need to create habits and change things. So Forked Up was decided. I decided Forked Up because I thought of a fork and a twist in it, like as in there was a problem and then you had to branch off. And this is where my thoughts came from. So a 90 day programme with me is one to one with me, unlimited in that 90 days. If you want to get a hold of me, you can send me a message. If you need a meeting, we'll book it in. There's training programmes. And so what we'll do is there'll be live training and recorded trainings. Even the things that are live, I'll record. So that if you can't watch it because you're busy in business, it would mean that you can watch it back whenever you want. You know, you can replay it as many times as you want. You can learn from it what you want. If you've got questions that you want to put out, then we can deal with them. I'm going to have guest trainers um, across all different things. So financial, customer service, um, suppliers. You know, I'm, I'm going to, that's going to grow. There's also something called the hot pass where you can come and there'll be a set time and all the people participating, they can either submit a question if they can't be there live, or even if they want to submit it first, or they can just approach a subject when we're there, so they, they, we can look at their wins, look at their fails, or if there's something that they need a real handle on right there and then, they can, we can deal with something, but we'll deal one thing at a time, 
Because any more than one thing, it means you're just diluting, fixing a problem or addressing a problem. But what I find, one of the key things as well is when, when you do it as a group, um, you're, you learn a lot from each other. The ego kind of gets dropped because that's something that you've got to address is your ego. Because, you know, until you can address your ego, things won't change. And that was a big thing for me. I had to address my ego. I had to find myself, really, was kind of the key. So by having this hot pass, then we can all get in together. And it's up to you if you want to come to it or not. But if you want to come with something to share or something to fix, then we can we can deal with it. There's going to be a journal. So I've created a 90-day journal. And this journal is just getting published just now. So it'll come out to everyone prior to starting. And you'll be expected to journal every single day, highlighting positive facts and thoughts that you want to happen each day. You have to preempt something that you think bad that might happen that day. Because um, if you preempt it, what you find is when it happens, you've already dealt with it it doesn't become a problem to you anymore because you've already dealt with the problem in your head prior to it happening. We're going to have guest trainers coming in. I've got one booked in so far. Um, a great a great friend. And again, this is a, a, something I'm saying earlier on about how things happen for a reason. I was asked to speak on stage um, I think it was 2014 I was handed I think it was I was handing back the trophy I think to Fish and Chip Shop of the Year and I was speaking on the stage for Enyo and it was the Worldwide Conference they were having in London and one of the speakers of the day was a, a man called Jeff Ram and he he is a speaker and a coach for customer service celebrity celebrity customer service he would call it he wants you to look at everything. Look at, you know, going into a hotel. How are they treating you at the reception? But how are you treating them? Because a lot of that is what happens. And this guy is so powerful in what he, what he, what he preaches. I, I was on the stage after him, and I was transfixed at what, what he, what he got up and said. So I've reached out to him and said, Jeff. I need a, I need a favour. I need you to come and preach what I heard, and the gain from it is unbelievable. You know, so people like him are being influential. I've got the podcast, so I've got a load of guests lined up already. You know, I I reached out. <laughs> Again, it's funny you don't believe in who you know or what you know until you actually ask, and. There's only one person I asked that said that they wanted to, but they couldn't just now because they were too busy. Everyone else has said yes. You know, we've got some great guests. We've got um, Tom Kitchen, Jimmy Buckin, um, Fisherman and Supplier of Amity. Uh, we've had Hardeep Koli Singh. You know, just an array of people that are going to... I've, I've even got Andy Considine, actually, which... I, I thought I know he's a footballer, but you know he he runs his he's got to run his 
is life like a business? And it's kind of a short-term window business for them. You know, the career of actual playing is limited. So I thought, he's he's a great one and such a top bloke. And I thought, there's so much to learn from him. He's got a great belief and a great vision. And I think you can gain so much from people like that. So Forked Up is it's going to grow. It's all about evolving and seeing what we can do with it, see how we can make a difference. I know 100% if people do what they're going to say they're going to do, do what I ask them to do, I know that the benefit they will gain is unbelievable. You know, if, you look, if you're after the benefit because you think your personal life needs an improvement, what you'll find is a business will, you'll gain tenfold. And likewise, a business needs fixing a little bit, but your personal life's fine. They both, they end up, the increase in both is unbelievable. And it's about being clever. It's about working to your calendar. It's about using a calendar. It's about learning that if you're actually planning ahead, how much you can gain and how much less work you need to do to get to where you want to be rather than working like a pig going round in circles and getting nowhere you've got to learn and understand that failing is okay you actually need to fail to grow so Forked Up is here to help I'm here to help I'm here to help people get balance back in their life I'm here to help them find the fluffy bits that's in their business make it make it elevate make it grow make it stand out from the crowd make them understand marketing making them understand the finances making them understand it's about networking and finding their potential not everyone's doing something that they want to do but there might be something within that that they want to do it's about delegating it's about finding people that can support them and it's about growing within yourself and within your company and I'm here to help you do that at Forked Up. So if you want any info more information just reach out to me on social platforms Callum Richardson, Facebook Callum Richardson, Instagram Callum Richardson on Twitter and you have my own personal DM messages. Give me a shout and let's move forward. Let's do it.